You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the Oz Network as we move on to the 15th episode of our third watch recap, 15th episode of the very first season. This one is called Officer Involved, and if you are an officer and you want to be involved in this episode, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to have your company. Uh, my name is Ben. And move it or lose it, pal. And my name is Brandy. Is there anything more depressing than searching basements and garbage cans for missing kids? Uh, yes, finding a missing kid in one of the garbage. Yeah, <laughs> I, I knew the response to that, but thank you. Uh, welcome, though, Brandy. No. Good to have you here <laughs> once again. Uh, we're excited to cover another episode of Third Watch, of course. Yes, I'm glad to be back. And actually, this is a great episode. It's one, another one of my favorite it is i agree it's so. a very good episode and uh yeah we're, we're getting a few in a row here i feel so definitely definitely uh good and uh, obviously we're going to start off we don't get a pre uh, we don't get a tonight on third watch do we yay they've gotten rid of it I went for bed. <laughs> <laughs> they listen to me they listen to me um so um <laughs> Yeah, it was definitely a good surprise not to have that there. But we start off the episode with Yokus walking the kids to school because we all know Fred has been kicked out because he's nothing but a drunk. Uh, but we get, like, the cop car, uh, move it or lose it, pal. And then it was, like, Charlie say, like, is that how you do it, Mum?" And it's like, yes, you know, if they don't listen to me, you know. And then kind of, we just get this nice little Yokus scene with the kids. Uh, and just just pointing out uh, the kid actors here, they do a good job. We've, we've talked a little bit about how, you know, kid actors can be a pain in the ass, But, uh, yeah, I, I think they work well with uh, Molly Price. Uh, of course, Emily Yokus at this point is played by PJ Morrison and Charlie's played by Jeremy Bergman. Uh, so all the children actors so far, I feel, in third watch of the main people, they do a pretty good job. But um, the one thing I will nitpick here, though, Brandy, uh, as somebody who is a video gamer, uh, we get uh, Charlie saying, like, whoever they're going to go after school with, they're like, oh, I hope she's got PlayStation. It's like, oh, I don't want you playing that too much. You know, you could do your homework. Twitchy then replies, I hope she has the Pokemon game. Here's a thing for you, Charlie Yokus. If she has a PlayStation, she can't have a Pokemon game because Pokemon's Nintendo and they don't play it on PlayStation. Uh, <laughs> that has always annoyed me. That part has always annoyed me. I don't know why, but now I've finally got this outlet that I can get angry about it. Stupid Charlie Yokus. Don't you know what Pokemon's played on? I was thinking the same thing. I was like, what? <laughs> My brother wasn't like Pokemon and Nintendo, so I was like, uh-uh. Yeah, but stupid. There you go. Stupid. There you go. Get that out. I did. Taking me all of, you know, nearly 20 years to get angry about that. But there it is. Um, But it's a nice thing. Uh, Then we see Bobby at the firehouse is making out with the same woman who he got lucky with. And we, I don't think we actually find out her name in this episode or her name's Trevor. Trevor. Um, but I don't know if he utters it at any point in this episode. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, But I, I do like that line. When, uh, what does she say? Like, oh, you get off at 11. And he's like, oh, shortly thereafter. Um, <laughs> oh, it's funny. That's something I would say. Um, and then Kim obviously kind of sees this. And Kim's like, oh, if you're trying to make me jealous, it's not necessary. And then kind of Bobby's like, wow, you've got a high opinion on yourself. And, you know, again, going back to what we said last week, Bobby gets over things pretty quickly, doesn't he? <laughs> now, it's been a week. It's now. only been a couple of days, and... I think, in the in the timeline of Third Watch, though. Because he, said, cause he says, like, I met her at the bar the other night when you blew me off. And then I thought it was, like, Kim was, like, a week. Okay, that's right. 
Okay. Yeah, I think. So no Kim was like. Hey. Yeah, but it's, it's. Is that like something that we missed out on? Who maybe? knows? I mean, we seem to miss out a lot. I think on these things from time to time, and we've just got to like kind of throw all continuity logic out the door. But um, yeah, sure. it's just kind of it's when you when you're watching these back to back, that's when a lot of these mistakes you know kind of show but i mean as we kind of mentioned over the over these episodes that you know realistically on you know back in 99 2000 when these weren't on dvd they weren't on netflix you know they could get away a lot more with kind of slipping up on a few things here and there so um yeah there is that but uh we get <laughs> i do like like jimmy's little uh you know quip here like oh workplace relationships you know they never work uh and then once you're like oh shut up you know shut up jimmy and then um you know we we get a bit of a clue here to somebody who might be on the show brandy because the way he says like oh i saw it on rosie um because you got to remember 2000 you know ellen degeneres wasn't the queen of daytime talk show oprah kind of still was but rosie o'donnell was a pretty big deal when it came to talk shows back in back in this period of time so you know get yourself into a zone pre-ellen pre-ellen it was rosie was kind of you know the the talk show lesbian darling so uh that's kind of how it worked back in uh 2000 jimmy watches rosie uh there you go uh, <laughs> Hey, I kind of missed that a little bit. So, hey, hey. interesting fact about Jim. There you go. Uh, then we got Davis uh, and Sully in the car. Davis is uh, talking about his dates. I mean, this kind of plays into the character of Davis, right? Like, he had a girlfriend a few episodes ago. Then he's trying to pick up, you know, girls in cars, and now he's talking about another girl. So, I mean, again, we never get to see these girls. Like, Davis is a bit of a player, but uh, we don't really get to uh, get to see them. Um and then what does he say about, like, the the movies or something like that? And he's saying, like, oh, it must have been great when the talkies came out to Sully. <laughs> I just, like, subtle little Davis digs at Sully are always um, always quite funny. But then uh, we're dri- driving along with him and we see there's uh, somebody getting bashed in an alley. So Davis like, quick, quick, you know, uh, get out of the car. Let's go after them. So they chase after these guys. Davis stays with the, the guy who's been bashed and Sully chases after the other people. Then we kind of, uh, we should mention in... By the way, if you didn't notice, it's winter in New York, so there's snow and it's icy. Um, and uh, Sully's chasing after him. This guy sort of pops his head out of a door and is like, what's going on? Or they went over that way. Sully climbs over a fence, slips. As he slips, he's got his gun in his hand. He pulls the trigger accidentally, lands on his back. Davis hears the gunshot, goes running after it. As he comes around the corner, the guy who was helping Sully a moment ago uh, is helping him further by picking up his gun and handing it to Sully. Davis comes around the corner. All he sees is a guy hovering over over Sully, pointing a gun at him, so he does the thing that he thinks is the right thing to do and shoots this guy. Of course, doesn't realise that this guy is nothing but an innocent bystander. Now, Brandy, can I just point out at this point, this guy, okay, he's an innocent victim, he was only trying to help Sully. I just want to point out, if he is thinking to hand a police officer, who's probably got a partner somewhere, his gun back, whilst pointing at him, uh, like... Hand it to him, handle first, or just, uh, like, wait for him to come to him or something like that. I'm going to be controversial here, Brandy. I'm going to say, this guy, this guy deserved to get shot in a way because he was pointing a gun at him, and that's all that Davis saw. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of Team Davis this episode. Okay, so we're going it this way. Okay, here we go. Wow, Ben, you've set the tone. No, not like that. I mean, no, because there's two ways this episode can go. And I agree right there. Because I was like, okay, first of all, I would have helped Sully up if he was truly thinking 
you do not touch a cop's gun. Period. I would not touch the gun. He's, like you said, the officer, he probably has a partner somewhere. And just touching a cop's gun, I'm just like, I would be good. So instead, why don't you help up the police officer to get to his feet to go get his gun? I mean, again, I, can I just say how well they did this scene, though? Like, from Davis's perspective, with the camera shot, that was epic. I just love it. I just have to say that. That was epic. I agree. Sorry, I thought you had more to say there. Um, yeah, it's it's really cleverly done the way they do it, and kind of like Sally's like, no, no. Um, and then, you know, I mean, it sets up the episode. I mean, this is what this is about. Um, but yeah, I agree. You don't touch a cop's gun, and surely, like, Sally could have just been like, hey, no, 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 it's fine. Like, I'll, you know, I'll get it. Um, because, I mean, let's let's flip that around. Let's say that this guy was working with those guys, and, like, he was like, oh, cool, I'll hand you your gun. Bang, bang! Like, you know, like, I mean, really? What cop is going to let him pick his own gun up? Um, no, it's, that's, I'm thinking the same thing. I don't see how that ha- that's happening. Um, yeah. I mean, we touch more on this later on, like, with the hesitation, and, like, how Davis is like, well, maybe I should have... No. I'm, I'm team Davis... Right here too. I'm with you on this one. We uh we get Yokus uh, and Bosco getting to the the scene, and obviously we see Yokus and Bosco are not exactly still happy with each other. Uh, and then we get Kim and Bobby following, and Bobby's all happy. And you know what does Kim say? Like, oh, Bosco's hard to keep up with, and Bobby's like, oh, you know, yeah, you watch this. Um, and then kind of you know, Bobby's all happy, saying he's never been better again. Bobby, you can get over shit pretty quickly. Uh, um, now at, at one point. This is we don't usually talk about like we've seen the credits at this point. You obviously have the the text up on screen. You know who's guest starring in this episode. We see the words guest starring and Rosie O'Donnell. So you're like, oh, so Jimmy watches Rosie. Now Rosie O'Donnell's going to randomly be in the episode. See, at this point, you kind of like, oh, cool, Rosie's going to be in this episode. She's going to be in it very shortly, folks, and she's going to be very much blinking, blinking, you miss it because um, at this moment, uh, we obviously have Doc and Carlos are like helping out the guy that uh, Davis has shot. You know, he's all panicking, like, oh, he shot me, he shot me. Uh, you know, can't feel my legs. And, you know, Davis is wanting to help and he's getting yelled at by Carlos and everything along those lines. Um, then they obviously forget that there's another victim in the alley. So uh, let's, you know, make sure that uh, we, we go and check on him. Uh, so Kim and Bobby are working on him. Uh, and who is it? It's Rosie O'Donnell. Yay. Um, look, I, I kind of sound like I'm being sarcastic. I honestly have nothing against Rosie O'Donnell. I don't un- really understand why she's hated. I mean, look, okay, I can maybe understand why she obviously, you know, can have some interesting opinions. But everything I've ever seen Rosie O'Donnell in, I've liked. I'm a big fan of A League of Their Own. I think it's a great film. Um, even that really shit Flintstones movie where I think she played uh, uh, Betty or whoever it was. Um, I didn't think she was that bad in it. But she also... Uh, it seems to be interesting how we're doing Nip Tuck and Third Watch and how a lot of the actors kind of are in each of the show. She goes on to play a character in Nip Tuck for at least two or three episodes. She's a great character in that. I love her in that. And... Um, yeah, and Survivor fans obviously would know that she hosted the Season 4 reunion, which is often regarded as the worst reunion of all time, which, that's another story. But, yeah, I like Rosie O'Donnell. It's a really random cameo that she has in it. She's a paramedic who comes in to just help for the sake of helping. She's in it for all of two seconds. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if you got anything to add on our famous cameo in this episode at all. I really, I don't know much about her. I mean, I've seen some of her movies, and I had never seen her show, but I've seen some of the movies, and I like the work that she does. I mean, I don't know much about her. I know she's hated, and I can't remember for 
what? I She's just very opinionated and loud and just very much out there, I think. But I think she's actually gaining a lot more respect because one thing is that um, her and Donald Trump have always kind of hated each other. And, like, this is well before he became president, like, back when she was on The View. She would always be, like, outspoken against him and then he would always, like, be outspoken against her. And it's actually funny if you follow her on Twitter, like, every day it's just, like, a 100 insults to Donald Trump. Like, it's just, like, literally every tweet she basically... Every time he tweets, she'll, like, comment on his Twitter, like, you're a fucking idiot. And, like, it is kind of actually... Funny to to watch it. Awesome. Oh, that's I'm I'm gonna check that out. That's awesome. I mean, just for like humor, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah. Uh, yeah, there is random Rosie O'Donnell, probably the most famous person you might argue has been in this point. I mean, I know we've had J.K. Simmons, but obviously we know at this point J.K. Simmons really isn't a big of a deal as he goes on to become. Um, you know, there's a, there's a few others here and there that uh, we will have. But you would argue for 15 episodes into Third Watch, our most famous face we've ever had, Rosie O'Donnell. Um, but uh, yeah, so we just Bobby and Kim saving this guy in the alley. It's kind of a great little scene in the ambulance when they kind of they pull him together and they. Kind of like wow, that feels amazing. Just pointing that out there. I do like Bosco in the uh, the alley finds the wallet, and then uh, what does Yoka <laughs> say? Like, oh, you know, that's evidence. Really, you don't think that this is evidence? <laughs> just like, just the fact that I love it. Kind of like you don't love it when Bosco and Yoka are having a fight, but just like the little quips they have at each other. I mean, this isn't really a serious fight compared to some of the stuff they will have. Spoiler alert. Uh, but I think yeah, the first serious one. That's it. Yeah, you know, like the first serious one, and then. Yeah. Back back at the, I like this scene. I'm like, I said that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Back at back at the I agree with the fact that you agree with me. That's a weird thing to agree with, Ben. Anyway, uh back at back at the hospital, uh Sally and Davis are getting checked out. Uh here's Dana. Yay, we haven't seen her in a couple of episodes. Uh, but uh, Davis is not caring about Dana. I think Davis basically sums up the character of Dana by fobbing her off the way he does. He's like, I'm fine. Gets up and walks off. That's Dana in a nutshell. Um, and then he walks and <laughs> sees, obviously, the guy that he's shot. We've, we've learnt that he's paralysed. Uh, then, obviously, we get the scene there, and Davis overhears him saying, oh, please call, you know, my, my wife. You know, she's probably picking my son up from school. And it's like, oh, shit. Um, and then... Anyway, back to the the precinct. We get uh, we get Sully with uh, the stick, the captain uh, James Seaborn, of course. Uh, we're talking about big names in the show. He's still in it. Um, and uh, James Reebhorn, sorry. Uh, what did I say? Seaborn. I, I I just can't remember names. Apparently, uh, basically, just he's asking Sully what happened and. You know, we know it's kind of what happened. You and I are both team Davis and Sully's, you know, basically just like, look, you know, um, I, I would have done the same thing in that situation. So, yep, there you go. Uh, back to Kim and Bobby. Kim goes up, uh, Bobby goes upstairs. He's going to make a phone call. Um, and then, yeah, we sort of hear about this rebound romance. Uh, you know, and Kim's sort of like, yeah, I'm pretty hard to get over. <laughs> you know, like Kim's got a bit of a high opinion on herself there. But let's be honest, if I'd slept with Kim Raver, I too probably wouldn't be getting over her straight away. Bobby, you're an idiot. Um, and then kind of we get this throwaway line from Jimmy that he's seeing someone. And look, let's be honest, I think we all are thinking at that point that he's making it up because it's just the way he says it. It's like it's convenient that he says it the way he does. Oh, yeah, her name's Brooke. So, like, we, I, I don't know about you, but like, kind of, if you watch this for the first time, I think you're meant to feel that he's just making that up. I didn't get that, so that's interesting. I was, I took it as like, oh wow, maybe so he is. <laughs> I was like, it came out of the blue, but okay. 
I, I just, I don't know. I've always felt that. I've always felt that you're meant to believe that he's kind of making that up. But uh, anyway, we did, we get a bit of a, a line here from Bosco and Yoko just kind of, uh, you know, Bosco is just essentially saying like Davis is lucky he's black. You know, he shot a black guy. Uh, if I shot it, if I shot him, you know, I would be locked up straight away. And I think the interesting thing about this scene is that, and like what he says is like it's still very relevant today, is it not? Like, look, I'm not buy- I'm not playing into the race card here, but what I'm trying to say is like if you imagine if that was Bosco who shot that guy and kind of in the climate we live in where obviously this is a sad fact that this is happening out there where police are seemingly shooting unarmed people um, and, you know, there's obviously a whole lot more to some of these than are said and obviously a lot less than are said and that's a whole other topic for another show but, like, you kind of, like, I don't know. Am I in the wrong here from saying this, Brandy? I'd really like to get your perspective on this but, like, you kind of do see what Bosco is saying at that point. I do. I do see what he's saying. I mean, because especially now is very relevant. And like and like you said, there's some that are like, I don't want to get into it either. So it's like, let me find the easiest way to say it. But I agree. There are some that's like, okay, it's true what's going on. And some of it's like, I think it's only because a certain race or a certain thing, with the, especially with the cops too, that it's only, it's only just certain things. Being, I don't know how to say it. I don't want to get too much into it. This is like one of those touchy subjects that you got to be careful about talking about without going too much into detail but I, I agree with Bosco on this one yeah and you it's just a, it's just kind of like a little throwaway scene but yeah um I think it's, I think it's handled a lot better because I, I guess you could argue my uh I wouldn't say rant, it wasn't a rant, but my opinion last episode saying the whole Doc Carlos thing, how that was kind of thrown in there I mean to me that still feels forced this doesn't this is like I don't know just you probably might disagree with that because you might say well, they're kind of the same thing but um I think this is handled differently and better i guess that's what i'm trying to say just one of those kind of forced a little bit but i think it was good to get that kind of perspective because it's usually not from the cops perspective it's usually from the victims and so i do like that they threw to see that that scene in yeah to be honest we we get a lot of the, you don't get we kind of get a lot of from this point on kind of like back and forth scenes here they're kind of quick little short punchy scenes but they're obviously all related to the story so we obviously get a bit here from uh sully and davis and uh sully kind of says you know like oh thanks for saving my life um and davis is like oh you know he doesn't feel thankful at all and he wants to go see the family and sully keeps saying like listen to your attorney don't don't go see them just kind of some advice um, from there we go to Doc and Carlos they're saving not saving they're helping an old man Mr. Schneider obviously is a bit of a a bit of a regular um, Vanjie shows up um, and uh, just like hi how are you and then like what are you sorry I did and kind of walked off I, I'm going to say this Brandy you can call me a sexist I don't really care right now but like seriously that moment there right there sums up women to me they show up they want something and they leave for no reason uh, so it's like, change their mind in the whisk of a hat. There we go. Sexist Ben, he says it. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to, I know you're going, uh, hey, I know we'll all have, we all have our moments where we're going through things. And so at that moment, we look at certain things a certain way. I will, I will just say that. But, um, Good save. Good save. I just know, I would just say, any female guy that does this, though, like, because Carlos can do no right right here. This is what's crazy, is that he's not saying anything wrong. And we could say, oh, this is a guy in female's perspective, but honestly, there's people like this in any gender and any relationship. 
Well, like, somebody can say something, and then, like, totally, the next person can take it wrong. Like, just the spouse or the boyfriend or girlfriend can take it wrong. And in this, epi- in this episode right here, it's just crazy. Well, welcome welcome to the men's world, Brandy. I'd argue it's more women, but that's a debate. Uh, <laughs> shots fired. I, I, guys who are like that, too, and I don't mean it. So, yeah. 10-13, 10-13, officer shot, officer shot. Uh <laughs> I'm starting something here, folks. Um, Maybe this. Please, how about this? It might mean someone has some loose screws. Because well. <laughs> we kind of see that. We kind of see that, in, like down the line, what's going on. So I mean, we can't take this like with just a grain of salt. I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> we can't put it down just a gender. Uh, Davis is then talking to the detectives. They're asking about his state of mind. Davis is still all over the shop. He kind of just walks out, and they basically tell him like, "You need to get him together." and um, what is I love Sully kind of how he says like you you need to get him you need to sort this out now because he's a brooder he's gonna like he's gonna sit on this for ages and just like dwell on it so you need to set this straight sooner rather than later uh, so yeah one thing I'll say we get into this next bit now look I I remember this storyline uh, but to me this I don't know if it just feels out of place in this episode it just kind of gets shoved on us pretty quickly and we get this whole missing child storyline that happens in this episode that kind of leads to the rescue of this boy and like I like this episode I don't dislike this episode but like he's just analyzing and how it all happens it just kind of feels out of place this whole storyline so we we get the call of a missing child um we meet the mother basically saying like, oh, you know, uh, I think my husband took him, you know, we're having uh, some problems. I had a little sleep and of course she happens to have been drinking alcohol. Um, and I do like that line though when um, it kind of reminds me of that that cherub line from a few episodes ago when they asked for the description and it's like, oh, you know, short to bald. And it's like, no, the the van. Like the way he's like, how old is he? Oh, 34. Your son? No, my husband. My son's 10. <laughs> Like, it just, yeah, I, I, I like that. It kind of works uh, funny, even though I just, yeah, I don't really like this whole storyline. Uh, quick little shot back to the precinct. Uh, Sully kind of again talking to the captain again, and then he's looking for Davis. Davis has left, and then we get a Sully crap. I think that's up to about three now. We're up to a third watch at this moment from memory. Um, then Bosco and Yokus are looking for the kid. Uh, but then we, we, we kind of get resolution though, I think, to their little argument, don't we? Because like, you know, Yokus is like, look, we're going to have this out now. Like, you're still being a dick to me, basically. And Bosco basically goes on about saying, you're a quitter, you know? Like, uh, you, you gave up. You know, what did you do to try and help Fred? And like, look, I can, again, it's kind of one of these bits, isn't it, where you kind of can see both sides of it. Like, you can definitely see Yokus's perspective. Like, she's fed up with it. She can't put up with this anymore. But at the same time, you're like, well, you kind of can see Bosco's point. It's like, well, okay, you're fed up with him. Fair enough. But at the same time, did you try and, like, do anything about this? You just basically kicked him out. You didn't say, let's do this, let's do that. So, um, yeah, I, I do like Yokus's line when she says, like, coming from a guy who can't keep a girlfriend for more than two weeks. Uh, how long has he been with Nicole for at that point? Um, but anyway, kind of this fight leads us to finding the boy. He's stuck behind a wall with his dog, or as, uh, Yokus would say, dog. Um, so basically, they, uh, have to call in the rescue squad, which will set them all up. Meanwhile, Davis is back in the hospital. Uh, and this is that scene that I was, uh, touching on last episode where it's kind of, um, you have, like, those people involved in certain areas. We had obviously the priest last episode where, you know, straight away, Police don't do anything, you know, you're against the gays and all that sort of stuff. And this one, we kind of get the, is he the brother or is he the, the nephew? Like, what what is he to the guys? Is he just a friend? 
because obviously the son is the the guy who got shot's son, but then this other guy is kind of I don't actually know who he is, but anyway, so like obviously this guy's Davis is there. He admits that he shot the little boy's father, and this guy's basically like you know see what they do, Junior. They send the black guy to try and calm us down, and you know I mean like. I, I, it's kind of, you can definitely see his perspective because, like, as we were talking about the whole race situation. So, it's kind of, it's an interest. I, I think it's a very well-acted scene. Like, it's very powerful and it's kind of, you feel for Davis because he's trying to, like, he's, he's, he's feeling horrible. So, he's trying to apologise. But then this other guy's like, he doesn't want to hear it. It's like the police just shot, you know, whatever. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's a very powerful scene. It is. I mean, I can I don't have much to touch on it. I mean, I, I think it was... It was done well, like you said. It was very powerful, and I think there was there are some uh, there's some reason for it. It was a great perspective from the guy, and it's true for some of the audience members, I believe. And so, I mean, I'm happy that they did it. I just don't have much to say about it. Yeah. At this point. Very cool. I mean. All right, uh, that's fine. I just it's, it's just very powerful. That's done. Uh, we're back to this rescue situation, um, and kind of we get Yokus and the the boys' mother finally, and here's Jimmy. Uh, finally something for Jimmy to do this episode uh, reaches the pole does he say like grab for the pole slugger um, and then he obviously can't reach it he's like this boy's like nearly freezing to death uh, I would like to know like how is he nearly free he doesn't look like he's just in like really cold pyjamas I mean he's been standing out there you know maybe a little bit longer than Yokus and, and Bosco they're fine um, I don't know uh, but so they're, they're going to have to cut him out through the shed they can't get to him just just special props we don't often mention a lot of the uh, the score uh, Martin Davich is, of course, the guy who writes the score in the in Third Watch, and just the the music used in this scene is great. The really tense music, and I've always wanted to, and I, I mean, this would be the most impossible thing to find in the world because again, Third Watch really wasn't that much of a popular show to warrant the score ever being released, but. Uh, Martin Davich, if you ever happen to listen to our show or anybody who knows him or anybody who might have copies of the score for Third Watch, I would pay good money for that because I love the the music that they do use in Third Watch. So I know, like, as I've mentioned, I'm a fan of VR and obviously this comes from sort of, you know, one half of at least the creative team of VR. Um, and there is, a, I, I own the ER soundtrack. Um, so that's out there. Um, but, uh, yeah, if, if that exists somewhere, people, please contact us. I'd, I'd love it. Love a copy of it. Um, Doc and Carlos again. They've got another lady. And here's Vanji again. We find out that she's got a police scanner. <laughs> and she's, like, stalking. And again, she's, you know, can I just say it? Typical female. She's over it now. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm such an arsehole. Uh, this is why I'm single, people. This is why I am single. Uh, but, yeah, she is basically been following him around with a scanner. And then, you know, before when she kind of chucked the shits with him, now she's kind of fine with him actually going off at her. And then he's just like, oh, I'll come over later. I was like, oh, you're coming over later. I'll make pizza rolls. And I love his line to Doc, like, what the hell are pizza rolls? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I don't know if you have anything to add on that. Not really. I mean, without, I can't really touch much on that without spoiling some of the things. I will say, like, nah, I'm not. Because <laughs> I don't okay. want to spoil anything, so. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, back to the, back to the, uh. The rescue scene, Jimmy uh, is in the garage. He moves these garbage bags, which seemingly keep getting uh, emphasised. I wonder why. We'll soon find out. But we get this man who, he's angry. This is my shed. Like, get out. You can't do this. Um, and then, obviously, like, Bosco, and that's like, you know, relax, guy. Like, you know, just calm down. 
Uh, poor little Foster, the dog, underneath this little boy. This boy is, by the way, called Ben Benjamin, so keep hearing my name about a hundred times in this episode. Uh, but the poor dog is not making any noise. That dog is dead, let's be honest. Like, I know it's going to be a happy ending and the dog survives, spoiler alert, like, because you're not going to kill a dog off or a kid. Uh, but, like, seriously, that dog, if that boy is, like, nearly freezing to death, that dog is dead. Um, so... <laughs> I just want to point it out there. Yokus, Let it out, Ben. Let it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yokus, uh sort of has a bit of a questions with this woman. Uh, you know, do you fall asleep a lot? And, like, this is to me where it's like forced and it's just this whole storyline kind of is like, what? Because like, she's questioning the mother. Like, oh, do you fall asleep a lot? Like, you can see why. Like, you know, she's fallen asleep. A 10-year-old boy's gone out in the, the cold. Like, of course you've got to question the mother, but it goes nowhere. He, she just kind of questions her. And then it kind of gets forgotten about. And the so-called dad who, this deadbeat dad who might have kidnapped the son, like, why doesn't he show up? Like, he really is a deadbeat dad. He can't even show up to find his own son getting rescued. So, I don't know. Just a lot of this stuff kind of feels really forced to me. Especially that right there when she was questioning the mother. I thought that was odd. It was just kind of, it didn't go anywhere. I thought it looked like it was going to be something, like, more powerful. Yeah. Because the mother, I believe she was drinking and fell asleep. So I thought it was going to tie in somehow to, like, Faith Bosco and, like, this whole drinking thing, like, with Fred. But it really didn't go anywhere. Yeah. No, I agree. So, yeah. I agree. Because we kind of get that throwaway little cut before of the alcohol. It's like, oh, here we go. Uh, anyway, back to Davis and Sally. Dave, I don't, where are they at this point? I don't even know where they are. Because, like, Sally's like, oh, there you are. And Davis like, how did you find me? He's like, I'm a cop. This is where I would go. Well, where are they? Do you Do you know where they are? there were some alleyways maybe behind a I don't know that was weird to me an alley by the hospital or something it's a really weird it's a really weird juxtaposition the way Sally's like you know I'm a cop and this is where I would go and it's like you know it's kind of it's explained a few episodes ago when Bobby's trying to find Maddie because it's like well this is where we'd always go when we were younger but like I mean where would is is it outside a donut shop I mean like I don't know like it's I'm a cop this is where I would go that really doesn't tell us anything (laughs) So maybe he goes to an alley by himself and he's sad. I don't know. Krispy Kreme, <laughs> Dunkin' kidding. Donuts. Like, I, don't, I really don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we, we get this kind of, like, speech, obviously, Sally, you know, talking about, like, IAB. You've got to, you got to you know, um, talk with them because they just, uh, they're hoping to make this a bad shoot. And Dave's like, well, it was a bad shoot. Um, and then kind of, you know, Sally's defending him. Dave's like, I didn't yell halt, police. And, you know, again, Sally just summarizing, like, look, you know, he had a gun pointing. You would have done the same thing. Like, he had enough time to shoot me if you didn't do it, if you had hesitated. Um, and then, you know, he has that great line. Sally always has a great line in these moments. You know, forget about the outcome. You saved my life. And then, you know, Davis is like, I don't think I'm cut out for this job. And then Sally's just like, then quit. It would make your mother and I happy. Um, and then, you know, Dave's great. Like, props to the acting here from both Skip Sardis and Kobe Bell, particularly to Kobe Bell, the way he's kind of just, like, emotional. And he's like, you know, I thought he was going to kill you, man. Um, and just, you know, the way he walks off. And, like, the one thing I will point out, like, the music is fantastic. This whole scene is great. But just want to point out, give him a hug, Sully. Like, come on, man. Like, I mean, he needs a hug at that point. I was waiting for a hug. Like, this had me emotional, like, teared up a little bit because it was just so powerful. And I was, like... This is one of those moments where it's like, I lost my dad already. I don't want to lose you either. It was like one of those powerful, like, moments where things implied. Can I just say, I wish somebody knew me as well as Sully knows Davis, though. Yeah, like, when he had said something, like, I know of his kid. He's a, uh, what is it, a brooder? Yeah. Like, he was like, if longer this goes on, it'll get worse. Like, I wish somebody knew me as well as Sully knows Davis. I, I just love the chemistry between them. And at this point... This moment, Sully, give him a hug. Yeah, give him a hug, <laughs> Sully. Like, come on. Give him that 
If I ever meet Kobe Bell in person, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give him a hug. And he's going to be like, what the hell? I'm like, well, I watched that episode of Third Watch. And I just think you needed a hug. So. Season one, episode 15. You're, you know why. All oh, right, yes, yes. <laughs> Sally didn't give me one at the same time. So. Um, there you go. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree. Uh, back to the, the ever riveting rescue. Uh, we keep looking at the garbage bags. Uh, and then we get this guy, you know, I'm going to sue. I'm going to sue you, the city, the mayor. And then we get back to bigoted Bosco. Uh, let's move, Adolf. Um, it's like, what, because I'm German? You think you can call me Adolf? And it's like, you know, oh, if the jackboot fits, Zig Hale. Uh, it's completely racist, but you've got to admit it's funny. Uh, that's really horrible. I really hope somebody hasn't last, like downloaded the Oz Network, gone, oh, what is this show? Skip to that exact moment of the show where I've literally uttered the words, it's racist, but you've got to admit it's funny. Um, that's going to sell the Oz Network quite well, right there. Uh, <laughs> you make me look bad. You're laughing you too. Know. Brandy's laughing. It's not I just know. me. I know. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the thing about this show. It's just, again, a lot of this stuff wouldn't fly. I mean, I don't know. I don't, yeah. I mean, sometimes you just got to laugh. Some of these things you just got to laugh at. If you took life so serious with every little thing, especially like jokes, when it comes to, like, my my race. I mean, sometimes I just laugh. Depending on, like, there's no crossing the line here. He's not saying, like, you're a Nazi and, like, all this extra stuff. It's, I don't know. Yeah. It's, the show's... Like, I think, but, like, <laughs> I, I definitely agree. And, like, I guess kind of coming from an Australian's perspective where, you know... Uh, without getting too serious into this podcast, and we've kind of avoided that a lot this episode, but it's, it's like a lot of perception of Australians is that our culture and the way we are can be perceived as racist. And I am not saying that there are no such thing as a racist Australian. Of course there are. Every, there is Every country on this planet has racists. It's a sad fact of life. But, like, I think what I would compare a lot of our humour and subtleties to the way Australians are as a culture and a people is that we might be similar to, say, a Bosco in this situation where we're going to throw a, an offhanded comment. Now, it's probably a bad comparison because, as we discovered a week ago, Bosco is pretty much a racist. But, like, yeah. like, <laughs> but like, I think what he's saying in this context isn't necessarily done as a pure racially motivated comment. You know, like, it's kind of like, let's be honest, uh, anybody who listens to any of our other shows, be it the Oz Network, uh, you know, Off the Podium, available via iTunes, 007, available via iTunes, The Brink, available via iTunes, just doing some self-promotion there, uh, you will obviously know my ongoing hatred of the French. And let's be honest, they're French. They don't deserve to be loved. But there you go. There's an offhanded comment. Uh, is that me being racist or am I just being an asshole? I don't know. But um, see, that's 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 an Australian way. But again, they're the French. It's like the New Zealanders. Like no one likes New Zealanders. No one likes the French. It's just it's just fact. <laughs> I've made it quiet again. Hey, cricket. Uh, <laughs> cricket. <laughs> just, just, I wish I had like a thing for like crickets, like. This. <laughs> there is somebody who has literally tuned into this episode and has literally got to the point where I have said it's racist but it's funny and then only to hear me try and defend myself by then going backwards and just being racist towards the French and New Zealanders. So, welcome to the Oz Network. My name is Ben. Send me an email and tell me I'm an asshole. I was like, how can I even say anything out of that? That's was like, quiet. <laughs> I just wish I had a button for crickets at that moment. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I wish a lot of people had a button right now, probably to end this show. Delete, delete, unsubscribe. <laughs> um, anyway, so sad fact is, this poor little Benny Benjamin boy is about to die. Uh, his breathing stopped. 
Um, Jimmy's like broken through the wall. They've got him. Um, and of course, as I mentioned before, not only did they save Benjamin, but they've saved the dog. Yay. Uh, <laughs> have you ever noticed it is an ongoing trope in any movie or TV show that whenever there's a dog involved and there's a rescue, like sure, the, the hero might die, even a random child or two might get killed every now and then. The dog never dies. It's like we always kind of get worked up over people dying, but no, not not the dog. The dog can never die. <laughs> It's funny because, like, my son right now, his favorite movie is Cop Dog. All right. Maybe it's what? Well, the, do- the dog actually dies in this movie. Oh, spoiler. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I mean, man, I was going to watch that this weekend. Screw you. <laughs> but no, I mean, I was trying to think of movies that where the dog doesn't die. Or, I don't watch that many animal movies. Home so I'm Bound? Admit, I don't think they die Home with Bound. Um, I haven't seen that one. Milo and Otis. Oh, what a movie. They don't die in that. Um, I have seen that. Well, I'm just thinking of, like, Independence Day, like, the whole dramatic scene when, you know, the aliens have blown up, like, all the cities and they're running to get to cover, and the scene where Will Smith's uh, girlfriend and her son, like, they jump through that, um, into the, in the part, and the dog is, like, running through the door, and that's when it fades to black, and it's, like, the next day, so, you know, it's like, the dog has to survive, so, uh, what's the dog called in this one again? Um, uh... Uh... Yeah. Foster? Foster. There we go, yeah. See, who gives a shit about that? I mean, I like dogs. I'm not saying, like, people in this episode are going, God, I hate Ben. He's racist and he hates dogs. But, like, I I don't dislike dogs. I'm I'm more of a cat person, I will say. I like cats better, but I still like dogs. So, or again, as Yokus would say, dog. Uh, (laughs) Just love that line when she says in this episode, he's stuck in there with with his dog. (laughs) Um. Anyway, I love how uh, I love how you uh, reenact her uh, dialogue. I love like, it. <laughs> this is the only time I can do like a New York or like a Boston. Um. So, uh, meanwhile, once the boy is off to hospital and the dog, um, Bosco smells weed. Um, and then all of the in those garbage bags that we've been, you know, subtly looking at. Uh, our favourite angry German man uh, has a lot of marijuana. And what does Bosco say? A crap load of marijuana. Uh, and I love the way, like, he's like, oh, I've never seen that before in my life. And then, like, Bosco's little throwaway line, uh, you know, you can explain it while you're suing everyone. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I thought was, like, now, how much marijuana was there? I'm surprised he weren't smelling it the whole time. Yeah, or- I've always wondered that, too. It's like he conveniently smells okay, it yeah. after they're finished. Sure. Yeah. I was like, wait, okay, okay, it was just me then. <laughs> yeah, and obviously we know that's why he's a bit protective of his shed, but uh, anyway. Uh, yeah. So, Doc and Carlos, we kind of get that scene, I think I mentioned this last episode, about why he's saying, like, oh, do you know why a doctor can't see a patient, you know, because they've got a, um, you know, an unnatural attachment to the their healer and kind of throws a reference in there to that Clint Eastwood movie, Play Misty For Me, and he's like, you think? Yeah, break it off. Can I just say, Doc, bit of a hypocrite. Uh, he did call uh, Ankle Girl, remember her? Uh, I know they didn't mm-hmm. go on a date because like, she looked like his uh, dead wife, but, like, yeah, Doc, you're a bit of a hypocrite there, I feel. I was thinking the same thing. I mean, I was like, I can't remember exactly, but I was like, didn't Doc date a patient or was going to date? I can't remember exactly yeah. who. Sort of. They didn't go out, but yeah, that was implied. But anyway, huh. so, you know, we've discovered in the last few episodes that Yokus is a hypocrite, as is Doc. So, um, you know, hypocrite count on third watch. We're at two. Uh, only one behind the Sully crap count. Um, 
So, uh, we then see Davis is in uh, the room with uh, IAB. They're obviously all talking to him about kind of this situation. Then we get this great little scene. I love, like, Bosco and Sully out there and how Bosco kind of comes up to him and is like, oh, I wonder if they've told him on the same side. And Sully's kind of like, yeah, they probably say that straight away. And, and you know at this point that Bosco and IAB are probably besties, you know, because he's always been, like, pulled in front of him for things like this. Um, so... Yeah, there's that. Uh, we then back to Trevor and Bobby making out. Uh, and I love, I love Kim just watching them and the way he's like, I'm, I miss you so much, Nookie Wookie. And then, like, Jimmy walks in and is like, oh, you never had any pet names for me. And she's like, I had plenty of names for you. Uh, <laughs> so, again, it's just like this Jimmy and Kim just, like, playing off. You just really believe that they used to be married at some point. Um, but then we meet Brooke. Here she is. Uh, she pulls up. She's a cop. And uh, she's driven all the way from Brooklyn. Uh, clearly, not a lot of crimes going on in Brooklyn that day that she could just come over and meet Kim. Um, and then Jimmy's like, oh, I wanted you to meet her because Jimmy's coming over. Uh, Jimmy, uh, Joey's coming over this weekend. So, I, you know, I wanted her to meet him. And then kind of you get this awkward scene. And Kim's like, oh, so you want her to meet Joey? And she's like, I'm going to go. Uh, <laughs> and then... <laughs> Bobby walks up. Who's the babe? Shut up, Bobby. <laughs> like, this is kind of going back to what I say last episode. You kind of start to really feel for Kim in this episode, even though, you know, you probably shouldn't because she kind of isn't a bit of this her own fault. But at the same time, it's it, like you can't help but feel for her. I don't, I don't even feel bad. You don't? I mean, I don't. I only feel bad, like, as a mom, like, oh, you want our son to meet. You know, because kind of because they still have feelings for each other, so it's like one of those. Oh, this is getting pretty serious. But other than that, I don't really feel bad. I mean, she could have had Bobby. True, but so. you, you you can't you can't not say that in the scene coming up. You can't feel sorry for her in that scene coming up. Uh, I mean, we'll get to that. But um, can we also say Brooke is played by is Ava Larue, the same chick that played on plays. Played on a CSI Miami as Natalia. Okay, well, I, I never watched so. CSI Miami, so I couldn't comment on that, but I, I believe you. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, she, she's awesome. So I just wanted to give our listeners that info right there. Well, I, I'm looking at her now. She, I mean, she does become a bit of a, a recurring character in Third Watch, so semi-spoiler alert, Brooke is here to stay for a little bit at least. Um, so get used to her. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking here. You're right. She did play, uh, Natalia on CSI Miami. She was also in All My Children, where she played Dr. Maria Santos Gray. Uh, so just in case you're a fan of All My Children, not coming soon to the Oz Network. Uh, but she's been in a lot, um, actually. She has most recently been in A Killer Walks Among Us. Mac and Moxie, and she was also in Fuller House, where she played Terry. Uh, so, <laughs> there you go. There you go. There, you there go. we have it. You, you've learnt a lot here today on the Oz Network. Uh, so, what are we there? So, we get this great little uh, conversation, Bosco and Yokus. Um, so, this is kind of, uh, yeah, I, I like this scene, this exchange. So, Bosco's basically asking, like, Yoko's like, when you and Fred fight, do you keep your voices down so your kids can't hear? And she's like, yeah, of course. She's like, oh, so you save your big fights when they're not there. And we kind of, we learn a bit about Bosco's background, you know, uh, sort of about his mum and dad and 
you know, when he got pulled out of school, basically only to be three bites into his grilled cheese sandwich or two bites into his grilled cheese sandwich to, you know, say that the father wasn't going to live anymore. And we kind of, yeah, learned this little sadness about Bosco crying himself to sleep every night because that's the only time that nobody could see him, like, you know, not being having to be brave. So he's basically saying to, like, Yoko's like, don't, you know, let your kids, um, you know, take that time out of their lives like be honest with them and it's i don't know it's kind of it's a great scene I, great acted jason wiles does well molly price does well and yeah it brings the feels i feel it does i mean and it gives a good reason why bosco was so bothered by it too you know i mean because he, he was pretty much a dick to her this whole episode but then you kind of it's justified at the end it makes sense because at one point she even goes to say as you act like i'm breaking up with you or divorcing you you know and so i thought that was awesome it was I think was it the first time you get a little bit of background with his? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think there might have been another one briefly, but yeah, it's probably the most serious we kind of get a bit with uh, with yeah. Bosco's background. Okay. Yeah. So next, no. there you go. It sets up a little bit towards we'll get. Um, we then get Davis um, in the hospital. Uh, he's back again trying to see the, the family of the guy he shot and Miss, Mr. Felder is his name. Uh, the great security at the uh, hospital who basically are willing to tell anybody who walks in who a patient's wife is because uh, he's not in a police uniform at that point, Davis. So, I mean, he could be anyone unless that you know nurse recognised Davis as a police officer. But basically, it's uh, the guy he shot's wife um, and then, you know, she's a great actress. I need to find her name because, like, she just, she's in it for one scene, all of, like, what, two minutes. Adrienne Lennox is her name. Uh, and she just basically comes up, starts slapping the crap out of Davis. You know, he's paralyzed. He needs a bag. Like, she's great. She's in it for, yeah, two minutes. She steals that scene. And it's, uh, yeah, quite powerful. So, um, you know, Davis, I think at that point, though, you got you kind of got to admit that he's a little bit satisfied is he not the way the look on his face that he kind of is like yeah okay you know um i deserve that and he kind of just walks off he does i mean i, I will say he was i, I do i got to say point out i like how she's like you expect me to make you feel better yeah. about this you know because at first you look you don't really look at it like that until she says that and it's like whoa that is true because he keeps coming back and i think he is a little bit more satisfied at the end, but he's, he's still feeling it. Yeah, I agree. And one thing I just, I've just noticed here about the actress that I just mentioned, uh, Adrienne Lennox, she's uh, joining an ever-growing queue now of actors in Third Watch who will go on to play someone else in Third Watch. I actually wasn't aware of this until I've just discovered this. She will come back later on in the fifth season, uh, the episode entitled Higher Calling, where she will play Doctor. Uh, so <laughs> just uh, keep an eye out for that uh, in the episode Higher Calling in the fifth season where you will see her again playing Doctor. But, uh, you know, may- maybe I'm one of these warp people that always tries to excuse these actors who come back. Like, I think Noah on um, 007 tried to do this a few times. It's like, well, maybe, you know, Mrs. Lena- Mrs. Felder was so distraught at the death of her, or the paralyzation of her husband that she went out and got a medical degree and she later comes back and she's a doctor. So, like, you know, it could still be the same person. Like, maybe there's just, you know, a very strong form of continuity that we're just, uh, yeah, trying to trying that to excuse. <laughs> that slap was memorable. It was 
definitely loud. You felt it. It was memorable. For sure. I so definitely remember that, Doctor. Absolutely. Um, is it, isn't it strange how like, we remember Rosie O'Donnell as a paramedic who's got like 30 seconds of dialogue, but we don't remember her as a doctor in like, you know, four seasons' time. Uh, anyway, so it's a great scene. It is a great scene. We shouldn't be uh, taking away from it. This is a scene, though, where I like I can't help but feel sorry for Kim. So Kim's like, gets Joey, puts, it, puts him to bed, and he's all like, Mom, I've got a girlfriend now. She gave me a flower. And then Kim's all like, well, don't get married tomorrow, all right? It's kind of like... Kim can't catch a break. Like, you know, the guy that she shouldn't have slept with, it was a mistake, who was in love with her, he's moved on in the whim. Then her ex-husband, uh, who, you know, is kind of always that backup, he's now got himself a new girlfriend. And now his son, her son, who's, what, all of, like, six years old, has a girlfriend. So, like, I, I look, I, I'm going to say right now, I said last episode that I felt for Bobby because, you know, we've all been there. I feel for Kim at this point because I swear every single day I'm on Facebook, Twitter, or just speaking to people. It's always like, oh, I'm engaged. I'm pregnant. I'm getting married. Oh, I just got a girlfriend. I just got a boyfriend. It's like, fuck you. Fuck you all. Like, stop being happy, all right? I'm here sad and depressed. So um, I want everyone else to be. So fuck you, Joey. You don't have a girlfriend. You're six. <laughs> Well, this never gets resolved. This never gets resolved. Does Joey and his girlfriend stay together for the rest of this series? Stupid continuity in Third Watch. (laughs) I don't feel for Kim, but I can see why you You do. You don't feel for Kim? (laughs) Do you not have a soul, Brandy? I don't, unfortunately. Wow. Wow. Come on. (laughs) Poor Kim. You really don't like Kim, do you? (laughs) I do like Kim. I just don't... Again... She has, I mean, she has choices. She doesn't have a choice that every man in her life has got a girlfriend. She couldn't, she needs to move on from Jimmy. It's not that easy. I mean, but after a while they've been broken. I mean, Bobby's really easy to just move on. Okay, and then she goes and messes up with guys who don't, like Bobby said, who don't care about her besides being in a sack with her. And then here's Bobby. I mean, she has an option of Bobby. I mean, how can I feel bad for someone like that? I mean... At this point, she just shows she just showed that she doesn't want Bobby, and she obviously she doesn't want to get back with Jimmy, which she kind of does. But come on, he slept with her sister. That's going to take a long time to get over. If they ever get over it, who knows? We'll see. And uh, yeah, so I don't feel bad for her. Okay. Time for her to find a guy. Wow. Or start taking steps for self love and self love. I don't know. Okay. There's uh, <laughs> an episode I'd like to see. Um, wow. Uh, this is. <laughs> Brandy has spoken. Okay, uh, you, you you win that debate, but I, I disagree. Kim Kim is yeah, she needs a hug. She needs a hug. I'm going to hug Kobe Bell if I ever meet him. I'm going to hug Kim Raver. All right, and half of that hug for Kim Raver will be for this scene. The other half will be to console her for making a stupid decision to be on Grey's Anatomy. That's the other one. I'm like you, idiot, Kim Raver. Like you, you set yourself up so well on third watching 24. I need to go to that piece of shit called Grey's Anatomy. So, um, okay, but. <laughs> I will just say this. Okay, now that you said that, she does need a hug. Because in Grey's Anatomy, she doesn't get the guy. Aww. Sorry, spoiler. But she gets a lot of... Wow. She gets so a lot of what, you add that, What are you saying? A lot of uh, <laughs> a sad, sad moments in her life. Well, a lot in of 24, moments. she is with Jack for a long time. And then that doesn't work out. And spoiler alert, she may or may not get killed eventually. But... That's not a spoiler, because it is. Because I probably just spoiled it. But just, whatever. Yeah, you just did. I was like, you just get killed. <laughs> I didn't say it. She might. She might not. Okay. All right? It's life. She might or might not die in third watch. There you go. See? See? Yeah, and then Grey's Anatomy, she's... Uh... Hopefully dies. Like the whole show. <laughs> no. 
but she's military, and oh. the guy she is in love with doesn't want her back, and oh. she's heartbreaking, so she goes. So, I mean, I guess you can give Kim a hug. I can give Kim a hug after putting all that into it. Yes. Uh, we've talked about Grey's Anatomy for too long on this show, Brandy. God, I need to go have a shower. Um, all right, so <laughs> um, what are we? What are we missing? Oh, yeah. So Yokus uh, and Fred. So Fred's on the stoop, um, and basically we kind of get this resolution between this sort of fight. Yokus is like, "Look, hey, you can't drink anymore. We'll go to AA counselling and we'll do it together." So I was like, "Oh, she's listened to Bosco. They're going to sort this out, and um, Fred's going to get some help." And then we get this closing scene. Uh, Davis shows up. And what does he say? Like, oh, I'm Officer Davis. And that asshole guy behind the counter. Color me thrilled. Um, and then he's like, oh, you know, Davis. Uh, what, I can't remember what he says. But then the line that to me feels so forced. that Like they deliberately use this line to use in promos or whatever. The way he's like, oh, Officer Davis from the third watch. It's like, okay. You've really forced that on our <laughs> viewers right now. Uh, the, he's got a parcel for him, and it's his gun. He's gotten his gun back from ballistics and all that sort of stuff, and we kind of close it out on uh, Davis staring at his gun, putting it in his locker, closing the door, and we kind of close it off with some gunshots, and that's the end of the episode. Now, look, I'm not a police officer, Brandy, clearly, but, I mean, do they just leave their guns sitting in their lockers like that? I mean, I guess they're all cops. They're not exactly just going to get them and go shooting people, but I don't know. Like, I... I if, if that's how they do it, cool. If not, I, I don't know. But um, one thing I will say, uh, nitpicking one side of thing, I do love that shot where they've got the camera kind of looking through the grate of the door and you kind of, like, see it through the... Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great piece of camera work. But anyway, that's the episode. I don't know if you've got anything to add on those last few scenes. Oh, I just love the gunshots at the end when he slams the locker shut. Yeah. I thought that was... They did a lot of diff- few different things in this episode, like the perspective of Davis with the guy with the gun and... How they shot that part with Sully Sully saying no, you know, like yelling no, no, no. And I just thought that was cool with this as well. Yeah. How they ended it. I agree. I agree. I agree. All right. Uh, now, as we said last week, IMDb users, you're stupid because you have this as, like, the second worst episode of Third Watch. I mean, this is by no means the greatest episode, but it's not the second worst episode, if I'll just point out as well. Uh, what, what are you doing with this? Are you buying it, renting it, or bidding it? I'm buying it. And those IMDb users do not deserve to be fans of this show. <laughs> they should get banned forever. Yes. Because how do you... Okay, the other one, maybe low rate. I don't care. But this one is just one of the best Davis's, Davis episodes ever. How do you not... I just, I don't get that. Can't comprehend it. Because they're idiots. <laughs> they're stupid. Uh, they're probably French. Um, all right. I'm going to rent it. <laughs> um, I know I've kind of had a string of buying it, but like, I don't dislike this episode. I like this episode. I just can't put this as strong as the last few episodes that we've had. I mean, it's got some good stuff in it. The David stuff, I agree with you. The acting, the Kobe Bell. Yeah, it's great. Uh, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't feel this is in the buy it category. Definitely not in the bin it category. But um, yeah, I, I'm renting this one, Brandy. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, no, there isn't. People need to rent more. Go to your local blockbuster and keep them in business. Uh, no, but at least we're not like shutting it down. <laughs> we're still renting. We're going to be the sole reason why blockbuster yeah, video still exists. <laughs> I miss blockbuster. That's for sure. Yeah, I, we had one here called Video City in Tasmania, which uh, you know, hashtag rest in peace, Video City. Um, but anyway, so that's that's third watch episode fifteen of the first season. Officer involved. Uh, I didn't point out at the beginning of the episode we've been obviously wanted to give props to our writers and directors of these episodes, written by Edward Allen Bonero, one of the creators of the show, and directed by Christopher Chalak, who uh, also is heavily involved a lot in the history of this 
show. Uh, next week, we will be back, of course, for the 16th episode, if you are from a New Zealand perspective, entitled Nature or Nurture. We've got Doc and Carlos involved heavily in this episode. We've got some gang warfare. We've got Bosco, a really funny Bosco moment. I love the beginning of the episode. Basically, Bosco off-duty... Um, and a little moment he has with some people, which is quite funny. Uh, the random Jimmy and his bookie storyline comes back into the, into the picture. Uh, and little shit Joey with his girlfriend gets into trouble at school. So, um, so little shit Joey, Joey. (laughs) I've got a girlfriend. Shut up, Joey. Um, so I'm looking forward to nature or nurture. I'm looking forward to hearing from you, the listener's perspective. If you're enjoying these, please send us in a message. Uh, do not have the heading of the email, Ben, you are nothing but a racist, um, because I'll just delete it. You can put, Ben, you're a really nice guy, then I'll open it and it'll be like, you are a racist, you are a racist. That probably work better if you want to go off at me. Uh, but subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, leave us some feedback and everything along those lines. Spotify, Stitcher, we're all on those services. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Uh, subscribe to us on uh, YouTube as well, even though we don't really put the whole lot up there, but we will be eventually. And, yeah, we look forward to keeping your company right here on our Third Watch Recaps and as well as all our other episodes. If you're a Nip Tuck fan, our Nip Tuck rewatches are going as well. We've got movies out there. We've got other TV shows. You name it, we've got it. We've got you covered here on the Oz Network. But until next week, for our Third Watch episode at least, my name is Ben, and come here, Kobe, I want to give you a hug. My name is Bernie. Stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.